There's a lot of things going on in the world at the moment and a lot of things that may be making people a bit uncomfortable. A lot of things that are good as well. And as Christians, we need to consistently pray that our faith continues to grow and our doubts to be minimised. You know, it's far better to be with Christ with our doubts than to be away from Christ because of our doubts. It's far better to press into God even in the face of things that are happening in the world than it is to be too scared to do that. Jesus is bigger than our doubts and he'll help us to overcome doubt. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just lift up everybody here. I just pray, Lord, that wherever everybody is in their walk with you, Lord, that you will be able to uh, make a difference in their lives, that you will show them that things can be different, things don't have to be the same, and that you're in control. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. The scriptures tell us in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, that we only need faith the size of a mustard seed. Who knows what a mustard seed looks like? Who's ever seen one? They're very small. They're only one to two millimetres in diameter. They're a tiny little ball. So you've got to think they're pretty easy to lose. If you pick one up, you might not even feel it in between your fingers. And if you drop it, you'll probably never find it. In this day and age, with so many things in our lives competing for our attention, a mustard seed of faith can easily fall victim to the busyness in our life. Who knows that? Who's experienced that? But we have to remember that faith is more than just a feeling. When we feel like we want to give up on our faith, that's actually when we need to dig in our heels. Who's ever tried to have an argument with somebody and they dig their heels in? It makes it very difficult to try and get your point across. Well, we are in an argument. We're in an argument with the devil. So let's dig our heels in so that he can't get his point across. There's an old saying that tells us that there's only two times that we need to pray. One is when we feel like it and the other is when we don't feel like it. So we've got to choose to put down deep roots in our faith. Last week, Pastor Ben started a series on deep roots, putting roots down in our faith, putting roots down in the Word of God. And this morning, I want to expand on that a little bit further. So the question is, what is putting down deep roots? So what does being rooted in God mean? When I think of roots, it reminds me to hold on or to be planted even in extreme circumstances and conditions. Let's see if we can get this to work. No. Whoops, too far. Here we are. Okay. Thanks to the internet, dictionary.com tells us it defines roots rooted as being firmly implanted, such as having a deep-rooted belief. The word root is derived from the Greek raisa and uh, the word rooted from the word raizu. Strong's Dictionary defines being rooted as becoming stable. Who knows if something's not stable, it's going to fall over. And the word 
that, sorry, that Thayer's Greek lexicon describes being rooted as to render firm, to fix, to establish, to cause somebody or something to be thoroughly grounded. So ultimately, if we want to put down deep roots into the word of God, we need to understand that it's a commitment to God through our faith. It's not the easy way out. When things get tough and discouraging, we have to choose to stick with Jesus as our source of strength. I want to tell you a little story of something that happened back in about 2006. Monica and I had moved from the southern suburbs and we bought a house in Largs Bay. And we went and had a look at the house and it looked pretty good. It was structurally sound. There was uh, not anything serious wrong with it that we could see. And a few weeks after moving in, we decided to try out the bath. So filled the bath up and then when it came to empty the bath, all the water came up in the shower. Can you imagine we weren't very happy? We discovered that the sewer was blocked. Now, the lady that had lived in the house, she was a bit older than us, and she'd lived in the house for 50-odd years. And uh, so because she didn't use the bath, she only used the shower, she had no idea. So we had to get a plumber out, and he had to have several attempts to unblock it. He had to dig up the sewer, open up the sewer pipe, and... There was all sorts of stuff in there, including tree roots. We had this tree out the front of the house, and it was a beautiful tree. It was a bottle brush tree. And you've seen them down the street here. They don't normally grow very big, but this one was massive. It would have been probably as high as what the air conditioners are at the back there. And it was huge. It was a beautiful tree. And lots of red flowers all over it. And it really did really well. It wasn't until a number of years later when we had to get the council to have a look at it because it was starting to split down the middle, we discovered a few things. One of them was that this tree was probably planted when the house was built, which was 1958. That's as old as me. And those trees only live for 20 to 40 years, so this tree was way past its use-by date. And it had had white ants and it started to split down the middle. What we actually realised was that this tree had sent out roots looking for water. Now, from our perspective, that was rather inconvenient because it blocked our sewer. But it was a tree doing what trees do. It was doing nothing wrong. It had sent out roots and found our sewer, and there's all sorts of lovely nutrients and water and all sorts of choice morsels that trees really like that it was able to access. So no wonder it was so big. So that raised a question. Back then, many years ago, I thought, there's a sermon in this and only just now do I get to preach it. So the question, a few questions that God put before me when he brought this memory to my mind is, what are we feeding on? Where are we getting our spiritual nourishment? Now, the tree was obviously getting its spiritual nourishment at our expense from our waste. I'm not suggesting that we do that. In fact, the complete opposite. So a question here is, what piques our curiosity? We know that in the world there's a lot of things going on, 
So is that what's piquing our curiosity? There's a lot of conspiracy theories. There's a lot of fanciful stories. There's a lot of things happening that can pique our curiosity. Are we doing that or are we focusing on the word of God and actively seeking what we need to be able to grow? Now, as I said, the tree did nothing wrong. It was seeking what it needed to grow. It had sent out roots. And by the way, those roots went right under our house. So the roots went for probably 30 or 40 metres. Because when we dug up the sewer, we found roots a long, long way from the tree. And at the time, that was the only tree anywhere near. So are we focusing on the word of God? Are we letting that pique our curiosity? Or are we leaving ourselves susceptible to white ants in our faith? That tree, unfortunately, had to be cut down. It was full of white ants and it started to split down the middle. And the uh, uh, tree surgeon said, no, that tree's nearly finished its life. It's going to fall over. It's going to split. On a windy day, if you got up near it, you could hear it creaking and groaning. And the split down the middle was getting bigger. So we had to cut it down. Funnily enough, after that, no more block sewers. Funny about that. There's three scriptures I want to look at this morning to understand Christian faith to stay strong and have a deeply rooted belief. One is 1 Corinthians 15, 58. One is Colossians 2, 6 to 7. And one is Ephesians 3, 16 to 19. So to have firm roots. If our goal is to have firm roots in the Christian faith, we have to have made up our mind to do so. It needs to be a conscious decision, a deliberate act, a choice. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says... There it is. Is that the right one? It is. I've got it in three translations here. In the NIV it says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. In the New King James it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labour is not in vain in the Lord. And in the message, Eugene Peterson says very, very eloquently, With all this going for us, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground and don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Who's ever been in extreme weather conditions? Some have. You may not be able able to imagine, but staying put in the midst of a gale or a cyclone. However, our faith has to be able to withstand extreme conditions. It's an unfortunate fact of life that stuff happens that makes us feel pretty awful. We usually take one day at a time. I don't know about you, but I take one day at a time. But sometimes it feels like a number of days have come all at once and hit me all at the same time. Anyone ever felt that? How often do we overthink things? How often do we play a video in, in our mind 
a video of a scenario over and over again about what might happen or how somebody might react or what somebody else thinks of us. We've all experienced that. And what happens when we do that? We get discouraged. We might get depressed. We might not feel too good. Now, I don't want to sound flippant about that, but what happens to our faith? I'm preaching to myself here as well. We have to be deeply rooted and stand firm on the word of God to be able to overcome when things are not going well for us. Sometimes things seem insurmountable, but in God they're not. Even when the world around us is ready to fold, even if our friends and family don't understand, even sometimes as Christians we may find ourselves on the opposite side of popular opinion. So being immovable or standing firm can be pretty difficult at times. Sometimes it seems like there's a mountain in front of us. Who can remember what Jesus said in Mark 11, 22 to 23? He said, have faith in God. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, if any of you say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in your heart, but believes that what you say will happen, it will be done for you. When there's a mountain in front of you, you have the ability to stand firm and rebuke that mountain. But that can only happen if we put down deep roots into God and his word. Let's look at our extreme weather again. We've all seen on TV, can we think of emergency services and news reporters that have to go out and report on this stuff? They go out in severe and extreme weather conditions. We've all watched these folk on TV in the most dangerous conditions, but what do they do? They're suited up. They go out and fight a bushfire. They're wearing fireproof clothing. That's their PPE, their personal protective equipment. Who can remember about the armour of God? That's our PPE. Ephesians 6, 10 to 17 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to, um, to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the, word of, uh, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Our emergency services folk go out and do battle with rain, wind, sleet, cold air, fire, flood, rough seas, flowing rivers, tidal waves, aerial recovery and cliff faces and they all are doing their jobs but they are suited up with clothing and equipment to protect themselves. Essentially their quest, in their quest they're immovable 
So to do life as Christians, we cannot be any different. We need to be suited up and God's armour is our PPE. So how do these folk um, that are doing the tough jobs become immovable? How do they become so fearless? They train for it and then they train some more and then they train some more. Every week they train for different scenarios. They know what to do in every situation. It becomes part of them. So how do we get to be immovable in our faith? We get into the word of God. We study what he says. We learn his ways. In a nutshell, we train. The word of God and his wisdom becomes part of us. We live it, breathe it, act upon it, and we put down deep, strong roots in it. Now, Pastor Ben's got some read the Bible in 90 day plans here. And out on the desk there, we have little cards like this that have monthly Bible reading plans and we, we put a new one out there each month. They're designed to help us to study the word of God. They're designed to help us train in the word of God and to put down deep roots in the word of God. So we have to ask ourselves, can we stay focused on Jesus long enough not to be swayed and not to give up our faith? So in the second half of 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it tells us the best way to be rooted is to work for the satisfaction of God and focus on his purpose. Not my purpose, his purpose. What we do is for God. And when we begin to understand this, we will not be as disappointed when people are dissatisfied or reject us. And just like the emergency person, services personnel, we may actually help somebody else. So let's look at being rooted in Christ. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 6 and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith you, as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. If we're trying to grow our Christian faith and stay the course, the key to being rooted is to always come back to Jesus. We have to make sure that Jesus is our foundation. In James 2.17, it tells us that faith without works is dead. Now, for me, I had to understand that faith had to be the foundation. We cannot do anything without him. We can become tired and frustrated with the things of God and the things that God calls us to when we forget where our help comes from. Psalm 121, 1 and 2 says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Who can remember the story of Peter when Jesus called him out of the boat and he walked on the water? What happened? He, G, Peter called Jesus and said, if that is really you, bid me come. So Jesus called him. And Peter got out of the boat and started walking towards Jesus. 
but then he started to sink. Why did he start to sink? Well, obviously gravity took over, but why did he start to sink? He took his eyes off of Jesus. When his eyes were not focused on Jesus, he felt himself slipping under the water. If we find ourselves becoming weary or bored in our faith, we need to take a step back and have a chat with our Heavenly Father. Are we being white-handed like the tree out the front of my house? We need to assess if our thoughts and actions are truly being led by God. If they aren't, sorry, if they are, that's great. But if we need to realign to God, then that's what we need to do. And we need to do that pretty quickly. We also need to make sure we're not carrying a load in this life by ourselves. If we feel constantly under pressure, overwhelmed and ready to give up, that could be a sign that we're not as deeply rooted in Christ as we think we are. The Word of God says in 1 Peter 5, 7 and Matthew eleven twenty eight that we are to cast our cares and burdens and loads onto him. Let Jesus do the heavy lifting. Who knows that as you get a bit older you can't do the things you used to do. We all know, we're all quite clear on that, aren't we? Yep. So when I want to do things that I used to think nothing of lifting or carrying, I can't do that anymore, so I get a younger bloke to do that for me. In a spiritual sense, we can't lift and carry everything. We need to get Jesus to do that for us because he promises to do that. Let Jesus do the heavy lifting. We can't do everything ourselves. We need help and we need to rely on the guide that is our source of strength. So we need to make sure we're taking time to study the word of God and know more about Jesus. Not only know more about him, but also know him personally. Our biblical study can really help our spiritual roots grow and create a life where Jesus is at the centre. So being rooted and grounded in love. In Ephesians 3, 16 16 to 19, I pray that from this glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand And as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, although it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Verse 17 is a reminder that we must have love in our hearts in order to be deep-rooted. We must have love for God and all his people. And on some days, that can be really tough. Well, sometimes loving people can be a challenge. Am I the only one that ever feels that? I'm glad I'm not. Yet God commands us to do that, regardless, because that's how he works. This passage also reminds us 
that God's love for us is immense. Now, who can think of the biggest and most powerful or the most beautiful thing you've ever seen? Just picture that in your mind for a moment. What is the most beautiful, most powerful thing you've ever seen? I recall in 2007, Monica and I went over to the UK and we caught a train from Glasgow to Edinburgh. We came into Edinburgh Waverley Station, which is semi-underground, and we came up through the escalators up onto the top and we saw all these old buildings and they were big and they all had towers on them and they were, it absolutely blew my mind. I looked at it and I said, wow, how did they build that stuff? It was incredible. You know what? God is bigger and more powerful and more beautiful than all of that sort of thing. No matter how big or powerful, no matter how much in awe you might feel when you see something like that, God is bigger. Now Paul says that God's love is too big for us to comprehend, but there's nothing that says that we can't inch our way toward a greater understanding just a little bit at a time. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. How do you get into God's word? How do you get to understand? Just one little bit at a time and God will keep on feeding it to us. We can always pray for God to help us see ourselves in his eyes as he sees us. How often do we not see ourselves as God sees us? But God sees us very differently to what we see ourselves. When we remember that God loves us, we can rise above our trials. We can have joy in the midst of circumstances. That's a hard call, but only in Christ can we do that. When we remember that God loves us and all the things he has done for us, it'll help us to not walk away from our faith so quickly. As I get older, I often think back about the things that parents sacrificed for their kids so the kids get a better life. I have a friend whose father was a boy in World War II in Germany and the family managed to escape and they came to Australia, came to live in Adelaide. And this man ended up having three sons and he made absolutely sure that his boys had a better life than he had. They had more opportunity. Who can identify with that? Those of us who have got kids, we always want to try and make sure our kids have a better life than we did. When we think back about our parents, we can, we can see that the, their parents, our grandparents, wanted them to have a better life, especially some of those who came through the Great Depression and the wars. So we do that for our kids. How much more did God do that for us? Jesus sacrificed his own human life that we might have a better life. Since God is our Heavenly Father, when we continue in faith and commit to growing spiritually, we are returning his love and showing thankfulness for what he has done. Okay, just some final thoughts. Um, I hope these three scriptures have encouraged you today to continue 
with your Christian faith and to dig even deeper. The process of being rooted takes three things. It takes a number of things, but three key things. One is commitment. We have to stand firm. Another one is dependency on Christ. We have to keep Jesus at the centre of our life. And the third one is appreciation of God's love. We have to accept God's love, embrace it and operate in it. Lastly, I want to leave you with a thought that I've been holding on to. When life tries to uproot me, it is my reminder to stand firm and stay rooted in God. The Apostle Paul says to the church in Galatia, in Galatians 1 and verse 10, Am I now seeking human approval or God's approval? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. To be deeply rooted in God, we need to tap into his word. We need to put down deep roots into his word. And we have to be purposefully serving God, not people. That doesn't mean that we don't have to do jobs around the church. Of course we do. But we do them as unto God. We live our life. We serve God. We're doing it to please God. We don't have to worry about pleasing people because if we please God, God will take care of the people. Let's put down deep, strong roots into God by serving and pleasing Him. Let's not get caught up with whatever the flavour of the month is in the world. If you desire a stronger relationship with God, it is time to do business with Him this morning. God is waiting for us to take that step. But we need to make that happen. We need to say, hey God, I want to put down deeper roots in you. I want you to feed me. I want you to grow me. So just like that tree out the front of my house sent out roots looking for water and nutrients, we need to send out roots into the Word of God to find His water and nutrients for our Christian walk. He's wanting to give us what we need, but we need to send the roots out to get that. I wonder if there are people here this morning that maybe God has been touching, even as I've been speaking, or maybe He's been touching for a while and maybe you haven't really responded. Don't wait any longer. Respond to God. Purposefully put down roots into His Word. Allow Him to nourish you. Allow Him to give you what you need. You just need to put down the roots. And it starts with saying to God, help me do that. It starts by raising the flag to God and saying, oh, I want to put down roots in you. It's not going to happen unless you do. Let's have every eye bow, uh, closed and every head bowed. If you want to do business with God this morning, here's an opportunity to do that to start putting down some roots. Or if you've already got some good roots down, dig them deeper. Send them further down into His Word. God is just waiting for you to do that.